0: Up to the front. Okay, let's give him a hand of applause. <laughs> Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Now, Tim, you're talking about change and how yeah. God changes us. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that there are things about you that change a lot. Right. And there's things about you that won't ever change. Right. Um, which do you want to talk about first?
1: <laughs> well, you tell me. What changes a lot? What changes okay. for me?
0: what changes a lot with you is your hair. Oh. Ah. Sometimes he's got sort of short back and sides, if you noticed, and other times he's got these Fabio golden locks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're killing me, Flavio. Is that right? <laughs> I'd prefer the Jesus look, if that's okay.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, that's not cool, is it? Fabio. Oh. <laughs>
1: No, I don't like Flavio. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, look, hair grows. It's a funny yeah. thing, yeah. Just, if you don't cut it, it just keeps growing, so. Oh, there you but go. But people often ask, what's your plan? What are you doing with your hair? I don't have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. I don't know. About, usually about once every three years, I'll just get the clippers out and shave it, and... Um,
0: and then you're good for two years.
1: Well, I save a lot of money on haircuts, yeah.
0: <laughs> There you go. So,
1: that's, that's about the story, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. And something I've noticed that never changes with you, Tim, yeah. is you're always in thongs.
1: Is that right?
0: Even in winter. Is that right? He wears socks. And do you know, I tried this once. I looked around at home, nobody's watching. Had to go to the washing line hang out a load of washing. I had socks on. I thought, I'm just going to slip on some thongs (laughs) and it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced and I don't know how he does it.
1: You don't need to be embarrassed, you know, (laughs) with socks and thongs. You can just do that publicly and it's just a good thing. thing.
0: (laughs) Well, I might hand it over to you then Tim. Yeah,
1: sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're talking about change today and we're talking about personal change. How does, how does personal change happen? You may have just heard some things here about parenting teenagers and sexuality. And you're thinking, there's some changes I need to make with my parenting. And you're panicking a little bit about that. How do you go about making change? I, I think change is the kind of thing we all want, isn't it? At a certain level, we all want change. We all see things in our own lives... Things happening for us around us in us that we acknowledge could be improved, yeah is there anyone out there thinking no, no no, everything in my life is spot on and perfect <laughs> nothing ne- no we all acknowledge i've got a nod up the back there anyway, you're having yourself on we all, we all acknowledge that there are things that need improvement, and particularly this time of year the new year kicks in, and um, people are making new year's resolutions yeah we we look at ourselves and we go, right, I've got to start working on this. There needs to be change here. So we, we, we work on ourselves physically to look better, to feel better. Um, you, you know, gym memberships go through the roof in January and February. My brother-in-law operates a couple of gyms up in the Gold Coast. And he says January and February every year are his booming months where there are, I think it's four times the amount of new memberships. Um, and that is the case because... We want change, yeah. We want improvement of self. Um, what are you thinking about changing as the year kicks off? It, it may be, as I just mentioned, there you've seen things. Those of you who are parents, you've seen things in your own parenting style that you need to change. And so it may be you're thinking, I'm going to try harder to be a better dad or a better mum or a different kind of dad or a mum, and I'll and I'll buy that book and I'll think about it and I'll talk to that person because. I need to change because if I don't change, things could go badly. There's lots of areas where we want change. You, you might be thinking about your finances and it may have be a, a, been a tricky year for you and you may be acknowledging, I need to spend less, somehow earn more and get out of debt. You know? And it may be you're looking at your budget and you're thinking, I need to make change so I spend less and pay off some debt. You know, there's there's things about our life that we see need to be improved. And then from time to time, and here's what I want to talk about, from time to time, we, we acknowledge a deeper kind of change that needs to happen. And I say from time to time because we don't do it very often, because it's a pretty hard thing to do. But from time to time, we'll conjure up the courage to acknowledge that there's some deeper and more serious things about ourself that need to change. It may be... A character flaw that you have the courage to acknowledge and you think, wow, that's a deep thing for me, that's got to change or it's going to wreak havoc in my life and the people around me. It may be that you acknowledge, and here's the big one I think for parents most of the time, that there's a lack of self-control. I just wish I had more self-control. You might find yourself losing your temper, often at the kids. But but you might be having this courageous moment of, of reflection that as you see yourself losing your temper at the kids, it's not just because the kids are ratbags, which they all are, by the way. <laughs> but it's not simply that. It's not their fault. There's actually fault in you. There's a, there's a lacking of composure in you. There's a lacking of self-control in you, and that needs to be addressed. It might be that you look around yourself and you see a number of soured relationships kind of shattered relationships in your family in your friends and they're usually the kind of relationships where you view them and you say they're bad because of what they have done what they have done to me but then you have these moments of courage I would say where you reflect and you you reflect on yourself and you see a lacking in yourself you see that you've contributed to those broken relationships it's actually a some kind of character flaw in you and an inability to love like you probably should have and an inability to actually be a good friend. You've kind of done a how-to in this situation. And in those kind of moments where we have that deeper, I would say, courageous reflection and we acknowledge something needs to change that's deep in me, we then are forced, aren't we, to ask that question, how do I go about that kind of change, that kind of substantial change? Deeper change, Where do I go to have something like that change and stay changed? It's the kind of change I want to talk about today. Now there's a couple of kind of solutions that our society will throw at us. a couple of different answers to how do you make real change in your life? Let me give you a few of them. The first one I'd say that's really common is this: Don't worry about it. Just accept who you are. yeah. That's a pretty common one, accept who you are, give yourself a break, you're not that bad, you're doing fine, it's a really Aussie kind of one, just don't worry about it, mate. She'll be right. You know, really, you're just a product of the DNA that was passed on to you, your genes, and, and you're a product of the circumstances you grew up in. You are who you are, give yourself a break, just don't worry about it. Now, there's a level to which that can be helpful advice for some people sometimes, yeah? If you're the kind of person who is just continually beating up on yourself, continually down on yourself, it may be that that's something that you need to hear from time to time. Hey, back off. Just leave yourself alone. You've got the body you've got. Just learn to love it. You know, you are who you are in many ways. Just, just let yourself be. and That may be something you need to hear. Just, let you, you know, get off your own case a little bit. But you can imagine how that's not always helpful advice, yeah, because there are things that need to change and the last thing you want is someone to say, "Ah, don't worry about it. I had a mate when I was young, yeah, it's interesting that I say I had a mate, yeah, and he was was the kind of guy who was, um, he'd always just tell you what he thought straight up and he was pretty harsh and end up kind of crushing people and I remember even as a teenager he would, I remember after a particular soccer game, one of my mates was kind of honestly going, "Oh, he felt like he didn't have a good game. He didn't kick the ball well. He kind of failed." And 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 this other mate kind of piped up and he said, "It's because you're a crap soccer player, (laughs) and you need to just try something else." Now, from time to time, we would go to our friend and say, "Dude, do you see what you're doing? Like, you got to back off a little bit. You got to." And he would say us to this, "I'm a straight shooter, you know." (laughs) I'm a truth teller, it's just who I am, it's just how I roll. Now, good on you mate, but you know, you're going to trash people around you for your whole life. There are some things that need to change, so simply getting the advice, just accept who you are, is not enough. It's not a substantial enough answer, you can't be left there. There are bad things that you can't just ignore. The second, I think, kind of really popular answer or solution that gets thrown to us in regards to how to make change is this, self-belief. I reckon that's the big one. How do you change? Well, the power to change comes from within you. You need to believe in yourself because the power is there for you to change yourself. So you want to change? You need to turn to yourself and back yourself. You just need the motivation to change and you can do it. And a lot of kind of motivational speakers, self-help therapists, um, self-help books will simply say that. They'll say, here's the five simple principles that you need to follow, find the power within, make the change, you can do it. Now, if, if it really was that simple, we'd all make change easily all the time. But we struggle we struggle to change and we can live for an entire lifetime with things that are destructive in our own lives and trashing people around us. Um, These self-help books or motivational speakers will say, follow these principles and you can achieve physical, emotional, relational, financial success. Just look within. It's all there. Just unleash it. I want to say I don't think that works. There's an element of truth in everything. But ultimately, I want to encourage you to think about looking outside of yourself for ultimate help and power to change, really. And I I want to raise the concept of how God, who is outside of you, can actually make ultimate and real change in you. I say that because I believe God is the one who's in the business of changing people. It's what he does. It's what he's been doing. And I want to share with you a little bit of my story. There are qualifications, really, with um, how God changes and the kind of change he wants to make. I'll get to those qualifications in a minute. But God's in the business of changing people. Um, God has changed me. Not that this is all about me today, but let me share you some of the things about me. Uh, I'm very different from who I used to be. And I actually say it's God, not just me changing myself. He's changed me. Um, About a month ago, I went to a school reunion my 20 year school reunion. Now I know what you're thinking. He doesn't look that old, does he? I'm thinking the same thing. I don't, I don't, I don't think I look that old. I don't feel like I look that old. Um, I'm actually, I've got four kids. And um, sometimes I swear I look around and I look at them and I think, where did they come from? <laughs> like, how did that happen? How did I become the responsible adult that all these kids are looking up to, you know? It, Things fly by, don't they? So I'm at, at our 20-year reunion the other day down in the Shire. I come from down Cronulla way. And, um, and yeah, people don't leave the Shire. Most of the people at the reunion, the large majority of them, are still living in the Shire. Shire pride, like hobbits. They never leave, yeah? <laughs> Scared to leave. I don't know how I left. I'm still figuring that out. I reckon it's got something to do with God. But um, I had a fun night. I had a really fun night. And I think it's because I, I had a really fun time at school. <laughs> I'm one of the few people who had a good time at school. All right. And, and I've come to know over the years too that usually people who had a fun time at school had a fun time at the expense of others at school. So I've discovered a few of those things and there's a few apologies I've needed to make, which I'm happy to make. I'm sorry for doing that to you, saying that to you. But anyway, the 20-year reunion was a good time. I had a really fun time. Most people spent the night walking around, saying hello to each other. And, and, and saying to each other, wow, you look fantastic. You haven't changed a bit. You, don't we all look fantastic? Now, I've got to say, I reckon um, the presence of alcohol aids that kind of complimenting on a night like that. Because when I turned up, I stood at the door and looked in and thought, nah, wrong, wrong function room. Turned around, <laughs> I don't recognise that. Turned around and walked out and I heard, Tim. You know, and I came back in, i was like, oh wow, this is them. Look what's happened. And I'm sure they're thinking the same thing about me. I um, I got a couple of, there were two kind of comments that people gave me on the night, and both those comments were at either end of the extreme. It's kind of weird. Some people said to me, Tim, you have not changed a bit. Now, alcohol, right? You've not changed a bit. Um, Now, partly when people say that to you, what they're saying is you're still you, you know, like you're still the personality that you were and we're still laughing about the same things and we're, we're having a good time together and there's, there's something about your personality that will, will always remain. It's part of who you are, yeah? And so I trust that people are kind of acknowledging that. Yeah, you, I still see the that you're still Tim. But then I got these other comments as well and people laughed as they usually made these comments where they would say things like, you are nothing like you were at school, you are nothing like you were at school. And usually when people hear that I'm, you know, a pastor involved in church ministry, they laugh. They think it's the funniest thing on earth. Because I, you wouldn't have pictured me that if you knew me at school. I wasn't an awful kid, but I was a bit of a rat bag, a bit of a partier, and, and people just think it's hilarious where I've ended up. But the people who had longer to chat with, and I could talk a little more deeply about life with, which, and I had a couple of really great conversations I think when they said, you're nothing like you were at school, they, they were talking about something deeper that they could see happening for me, where the very core of who I am has changed. Now, no doubt, as a teenager, everyone's pretty much the same. Everyone's just trying to fit in. Everyone's just trying to have fun. It's, it's really just all about you and your friends and the parties and your sport and your, your own happiness. And the, the people I could chat to could see that there's something new, that the fact that It wasn't just all about me and my happiness anymore. That had been replaced by someone else at the centre, like God at the centre. And he's the one who's brought big change in me, substantial change, core change from within me, which has got a whole range of symptoms, but it's that deeper thing that some could kind of acknowledge and could kind of point out. That change for me happened actually soon after I left school. I left school and went and did a meteorology degree because I wanted to learn how to predict the surf better. <laughs> I kid you not. I was like, "Eeny, meeny, miny, moe." That one. All right. Go to uni and spend four years studying maths and physics and computer program just to learn how to predict the surf better. I didn't do anything with that degree. But while I was at uni, um, I got God got a hold of me, and God changed me. He changed my belief, my view, my life, and all of a sudden, I found myself instead of being someone who was always kind of embarrassed about the fact that I grew up in a church family, and I was, it's embarrassed, I found myself being someone who was actually incredibly passionate about God and His church and Christians, which was just as much a surprise to me as anyone. And I found myself very quickly, only after being out of school for a year, going back into my local high school and teaching Scripture, which you can imagine was such a surprise to my teachers, yeah? Yeah. You can picture it. Seriously, it happened. I walked into my teaching year 10 and year 11. I walk into Mr. Dixon, my science teacher, who I just... I was a rat bag at school. I was. Now, I was the kind of guy who wanted to get everyone laughing and the teacher laughing. That was my aim, I think. And I often made that happen. So, though I got busted, I think the teacher still kind of liked me a little bit. Anyway, that's the way I remember it. (laughs) Anyway... So I walk back in, you can just picture it, can't you? There's Mr. Dixon teaching his science class, knock, knock, I come in. He looks at me and goes, Tim, what are you doing here? And I say, "Can't? it's okay, everything's okay, Mr. Dixon, I'm here to teach scripture. I'll take it from here, you can leave, you know? You know, most of them thought it was a bit of a joke to start with, or just a bit of a phase I was going through, a weird kind of phase. But it wasn't. There was substantial change that God was doing in me, which was being kind of there was multiple symptoms on the surface of my life, and I have to say that change continues to happen for me. I'm a work in progress, big time, and if you come up close, know me personally, you'll know that there's still change that God is making in me, and I'm happy for that. I want that. God is still in the business of changing me. In the Bible there are many people who you see substantial change happening for where God makes that kind of change. In fact, there are far more extreme examples than what I've just given you there about myself. I want to tell you about one particular one. A man named Saul, who gets changed radically by God. And listen to the language that Saul uses when he talks about who he used to be. He says this in a book called, one of his letters called Galatians. He says, in my former life, he talks about how he used to be, but it's talking about his, his former life. In other words, there's been such a change in him. It's, it's not just a bit of improvement. He's got a whole new life. There's been a total transformation of his self. He's been completely turned around. And Paul used that language. And when you get to know a bit of the details about Paul's story, you see why. He, he went from being a Christian hunter... He actually was a headhunter for Christians, used to seek them out, track them down, have them beaten up, thrown in jail and even murdered. That's how anti-Christians he was and God gets a hold of him and changes him from a Christian hunter to a Christian maker. That's a huge transformation. So Paul says, well actually Saul, who ends up having his name changed to Paul, says, in my former life. Now, that kind of language is not just reserved for people who have gone through that kind of a radical outward transformation. That kind of language in the Bible is reserved for anyone who actually comes to know God through Jesus. And you see it in, all the way through the New Testament. You see language like this, that someone who gets to know God through Jesus is called a new creation. They're big words, new creation, meaning your whole self has been made new. Your whole self has been remade. The very core of who you are is transformed. The Bible describes a person who's been changed by God by saying this, the old is gone and the new has come. And that's not just for people who used to be Christian hunters, changed to Christian makers. That's for anyone who meets God. There's that kind of substantial change that happens at the very core of a person. The Bible will talk about it like a heart transplant. Because that's the very core of what the work that God wants to do. And when the Bible talks about the word heart, it's not talking about the, the, the physical heart that beats in your chest, but the, the core of your longings and your desires and your attitudes, God comes and gives you a transplant. And, and it's like he takes out the old, cold, hard heart with desires that just want to continually rebel against God and, and reject God and, and even more subtle version, just ignore him and not have time for him, and God replaces that heart with a soft heart, a warm heart, a surprising heart where you find yourself going, actually, I want to know him. I want to live with him. I want to live for him. My desires are changing. My longings are changing, and this is the work that God does. He gives a new self, which gives you a new view of the world. It's also like you're putting on new glasses. You see things differently where you see God at the very centre of all things, not just you. New desires and longings and passions which eventuate into new actions and new ways of living and new words that you speak. Now, do you notice where I've, what I've done here? I started by talking about relatively surface change, kind of your body. You know, your parenting, that's pretty substantial. Your finances, your relationships. Now I've drifted towards a different kind of top of top change. I don't know. I'm talking here about a deeper kind of change. And you may think, I'm not really looking for that. I just want to get these things sorted. I just want my relationships sorted. So you might think, oh, I'm not that interested, Tim. I just I want my relationships to get worked out. So here's the qualification I want to make really clear. When we're talking about the kind of change that God brings let me say this Jesus is not just a genie in a bottle where if you rub him the right way he'll pop out and do everything that you want done in your life according to this picture of the best life that you can come up with and and I, and I want to make that clear because often Christianity is sold in that way oh, come and believe in Jesus and everything you've ever wanted for yourself, he'll make it happen. Jesus is very clear to us in the Bible, no, no, I'm not a genie in a bottle. The, the kind of change I've got for you is so much better than all the things that you are feeling the importance of. I've, I've got a different kind of change. He says, I will change you, but perhaps not in the ways that you want right now, but I will change you in the ways that you Ultimately, need. You see, there are things that are ultimate in life. There are things that are really important that they do get changed, and and God says they're the ones I'm going to change. The big ones. I want to start with the big ones, and really, our greatest need for change is the change in our heart attitude towards Him, and that's where He starts, and it's huge but it ends up rippling out into every area of life. And I'm going to finish on this. Just think with me for a minute. When we acknowledge we want better health and better bodies and better relationships and better finances, what are we really searching for by wanting those things to be improved? Really, we're wanting happiness. We're wanting a a better life. I would use these words. What you're looking for is you're looking for contentment. You're actually looking for the satisfaction in life that you were made for. You're searching for those things. And here comes Jesus and he says, I have exactly what you're searching for. I have exactly what you're looking for. That deep contentment, that deep satisfaction, I have that for you. I have come to give you that life. Jesus says, I've come to give you life to the full. But he says, you know that full life, that deep contentment, that deep satisfaction? It does not come through simply trying to improve the circumstances of life. It comes through coming and getting to know me. It comes through having me at the very core and the very centre of your life and letting me then go on and change everything and let it ripple out. So there's change and you're coming up and I'll stop.
0: <laughs>
1: That's good, thank, thank you. Thank you very
0: much, Tim, yeah. but don't go anywhere. You're right, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a few questions, but I've got one.
1: Yeah. I, yeah.
0: One of the things I do is I renovate houses oh. and so I get in there and the first thing I do is I rip, I gut a place, rip everything out that I don't like, which is usually everything. Yep. Don't leave anything standing. And then I get all the contractors in and they yep. start working.
1: I thought I could see some bicep muscles <laughs> down on there for you. It's good.
0: <laughs> so, is that what change is going to be like for us? Is that what it's like? Does God come in and does he rip everything out? And
1: You know what God comes? He, he comes and he, he works on the most important thing first. So, it's, the most important thing for a house is foundation. So It's almost like God does this, sometimes he leaves the house intact a little bit but he lifts it up and he pulls away whatever you've got there as a foundation, he puts himself as the foundation. Now that is that is a substantial work that God does and then slowly over time, in his time, he changes the house because that, that comes from what he's done with the foundation. And I have to say, like I actually do think having God as the foundation of your life means he's going to be continually renovating, he's going to be like you, those Compulsive people who can can't live in, they can't live in their house for longer than five minutes without going. That wall has got to go, you know. And it, God does that continually. He's just continually renovating, renovating, renovating. And I want to say that is an exhausting process. But if it's the change that God says needs to keep happening, He invented life. Gonna let Him do it, yeah. So that's what I'd say: foundation first, which is the big thing that we're on about. We want people to think about the foundation of life. Yeah. So